In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Welcome back, everybody! Thursday! It's Thursday! Where does the time go? Well, it flies when you're having fun. Time flies. Time drags. I guess it depends on how you define time. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping. Are you having the time of your life? What time? What do you mean the time of my life? You know, the time. Are you having a good time? Well, I'm not having a bad time. Whose time is it? If I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time? Remember that line from Fast Times at Ridgemont High? When Jeff Spicoli orders that pizza, the teacher gets all mad. And he's like, how dare you order this pizza on my time? And Jeff Spicoli says... Well, if you're here and I'm here, does that make it our time? Nothing wrong with a little pizza on our time. Amazing how that is, isn't it? When the smartest kid in when the smartest kid in school in the 70s was a stoner surfer. The only one thinking critically. And they make him out to be the dummy. Amazing. It's a good segue. It's a good segue into something I've been thinking about lately. And that is the art of subversion. You know what that is? You can call it the art of fighting without fighting. A lot of times we hear things like, oh, that was very subversive. Or we hear about subversive tactics. Oh yes, my friend, subversion. Subversion is 
a subtle way of making radical change. Proud of what I've created, it was radical. Does that make sense? If you want to create change, a radical change. A radical change you can be proud of. Proud of what I've created, it was radical. The best way to do that is like the boiling frog. Don't get me wrong. If you wanted to do radical change and you have the means, you have coercive power, you could bring in a military. Assassinate the leader and change the country. That can happen and it does happen all the time. However, when you think of subversion, <clears throat> I want you to think of martial arts. Think about if someone much bigger than you is going to throw a punch and there you are and there's this giant of a man or this giant of a woman and they're getting ready to punch you right in the face. If you're a small person, you can't absorb too many of those blows. But what you could do, if you trained hard, you could be conscious of the type of punch they're going to throw. And when they throw that punch, you could lean back out of the way, and then as they go to punch you, as hard as they can, you lean back and you grab their arm and you pull their arm in the direction in which they are punching. You help them throw that punch. And that will use their momentum against them. I remember once when I was a young man and I was wrestling, I went and I wrestled this giant of a man. He was probably 20 pounds heavier than me. And he was just, he looked like one big giant muscle. And because I had wrestled for so long, I knew that this guy relied on his strength. And so we, we were wrestling and I, you tie up and, you, and I pushed into him really quick, as hard as I could. I had my hand on his head and his hand on his arm. We were all tied up. And I shoved all my weight quickly into him. And what the laws of nature say what? For every action, there's a reaction. And as I pushed him, he pushed back as hard as he could. And in that moment, snap, I threw him right over my shoulders, like just head and arm. I used his momentum to throw him over my body. That same tactic of a quick setup and then using momentum against a larger enemy is the methodology of subversion that I would like to talk about now. If you look around our country, if you look at what's happening, you can see the years of subversion flowering. What you're seeing on the streets today is not something that's happened or is the result of something that's happened over the last four years or eight years. It's more likely the result of something that's happened over the last 20 years or 30 years. You see, the very foundation of subversion comes from undermining that cohesiveness, the values that keep a community together. Let me give you an example of, of what I'm talking about. 
Which one of you elected CNN? Which one of you elected Fox News? Which one of you elected any of the media to be the people in charge of informing us? Which one of you elected the New York Times? Which one of you elected Walter Cronkite? Which one of you elected Pierce Morgan, Ben Shapiro, Rachel Maddow, Tucker Carlson? Which one of you knuckleheads is responsible for electing those dummies? Zero. None of you are. That was inflicted upon us. Over the last 30 or 40 years, the rules of media have changed. We have gone from being... We have gone from our media as a message to inform us, as a medium of information to a medium of indoctrination. Information, indoctrination, subjugation. And it's a slow burn. It's a slow burn. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. You know, there was... What, remember the guy from Mayberry? The Andy Griffith show, remember that? His dad was a cop. He was a good guy. Remember that when the cops were the good guys? And they arrested the criminals? They were keeping people safe. That's what cops did. They were there to protect and serve. Slowly, very slowly, throughout Hollywood, throughout the media, cops became the bad guys. All of a sudden, the criminal wasn't this person that was hurting people. The criminal was a victim. And the the cop became a pig. The cop became the untrustworthy, power-abusive knucklehead. And the criminal became a victim of culture, a victim of society who just got a bunch of bad breaks because the environment sucked. For me, as a man in his 40s, the pivotal moment in that was that movie Colors. Remember that? I think it was Robert De Niro and Jeff Spicoli. I know that's not his name. I forgot his name. What's that guy's name? Come on, you guys know his name. The guy that bangs all the hot chicks. He went and got a... Ah, jeez. Remember he went down... He went and got El Chapo. He played a Harvey Milk. Jeff Spicoli. Remember him? Mary Madonna. I can't think of the guy's name, man. Anyway, it's not important. But that movie Colors was one of the first movies where they really showed the abusiveness of cops in a Hollywood setting. And if you look at the 
the slow burn of cultural inversion. You can see it play out in the movies, right? We've seen cops go from good guys into bad guys. And along with that, we've seen real-time footage of cops being bad guys in the real world, right? That's whenever a cop does something horrible, it's filmed and put on TV and blasted out to millions of people. What about the cop that pulls you over and is like, hey, dummy, how come you were speeding back there? And you're like, oh, sir, uh, you know what? I apologize. I, uh, I was out of control. And he goes, yeah, you were out of control. Don't let it happen again. All right, I'm gonna let you out with a warning. How come that guy's not on TV? How about the cop that breaks up some thug from beating up a harmless kid? How come that guy's not on TV? There's a reason, there's an agenda there. The ridicule of religion Regardless of what you think of religion, religion is a foundation on which morality, community, and compromise is built on. Once you pull out that foundation, the, the floors, the top floors of community and cooperation consideration or come down with that. If you pull out the foundation of a building, you got Tower 7, right? These are all examples of inversion. Everything that was good is now bad. The founding fathers. Think about that. The term founding fathers. Founding fathers, the Constitution. We, the people, in order to create a more perfect union, we've got our Bill of Rights, freedom of speech, freedom to assemble. These are all good things. These were things that were debated and lobbied and and bandied back and forth with long arguments from and these were supposed to be the elements of freedom and they were good things in today's world speech is a problem it's got to be censored freedom to assemble you can assemble in the protest zone far away from the event that's happening founding father statues are being torn down and you can argue that when those statues are torn down the reminders of what those people went through are torn down and it seems eerily timely to me on one hand I can agree 100% with the statues of glorifying slavery being torn down. On one hand, I get it. 
On another hand, when you tear down that statue, don't you also tear down the reminder of what happened to you? It's almost like, hey, if I want to enslave a bunch of people, I'm gonna tear down everything that reminds them of slavery. I don't want them to know. I don't want them to have this statue that they hate and they, whenever they see it, they think about being oppressed because it makes it more difficult for me to come in and oppress them. Subversion, inversion. They make me think about equality. What the fuck is equality? It's, it's such a great word, but most people use it in a way that is defined different than someone else that uses it. Again, if we're going to talk about things, we should define our terms. I would like to present to you a new definition of equality or I think what the proper definition of inequality is. Equality is an opportunity for unequal people to have a chance at moving forward, depending on who's best suitable. Equality is an opportunity for people who are unequal. You can't just say, this person looks like this, therefore they should be in charge. And the only way a person should get to be in charge is by demonstrating their ability to be successful. And that usually comes from experience. What we're seeing now is the consequences of poorly executed idealistic ideas about equality. There is no equality in the sense that we're all the same. We're not. We're not the same. That's called the noble lie. Hey, we're all born the same. Was that a joke or were you, what you serious? Think? You're a smart lady. You tell me. Yeah, it was a joke. Yes, because it's so absurd. But when you got a, you know, when you got a highly evolved brain. No, we're not. Not by a long shot. Some people are tall and stupid. Other people are short, blonde haired and very clever, very handsome. Some people are this color, some people are that color, some people are fat, some people are skinny. We're not equal. We're not equal. And you can go look on any playground not in today's world, you can't because no schools are open. But you can go look on any playground at any school. There's always a fat kid that's picked last. That's never gonna change. You can force somebody to pick the fat kid first. But it doesn't make that fat kid equal to the kid who has the ability to be an athletic superstar. Just because you say something's true does not make it so. Hey, we're all equal. Nope, no we're not. That guy's fat and lazy. 
this guy's an asshole. This guy is really shy. This guy's really smart, but he's lazy. This guy's a racist. This guy hates that. You know what I mean? We're not equal. Not even close. Not even close. So how do you create a better society? Well, you give opportunity. Let's talk about another form of subversion used through the media. Multinational corporations. Look at our society's grotesque relationship with consumption. Everybody knows that in the United States, we have an obesity epidemic. Why is that? Is that because people are lazy? Because people are stupid? No. It's because the level of propaganda about consumption is rampant. How many, how many commercials for new cars do you see? How many commercials for designer handbags? How many commercials for buy this, buy this thing? Hurry, you gotta buy it right now. Hurry, you gotta buy it, it's on sale. The more you spend, the more you save. It's okay as it's long so as you can handle it. And so, come on. I said, um, stay away from the crack, which I think is pretty good advice, unless you can manage it socially. It's shit like that that is the cancer upon our society. And it's encouraged. Not only is it encouraged, but it's put on a pedestal. Whoever said you can't polish a turd has never seen the American system of consumption. Look around your house. How much shit do you have in your house you don't need? I was, the other day, this weekend I woke up at my house and I was making breakfast for my, for my girls and I just looked around at all this shit, all these fucking plastic toys and all these fucking things. I never use them. I got a subscription service to a, a box of art and a box of projects that comes to my house. And it's pretty cool, don't get me wrong, I like it. There's all these cool things you can do, all these science experiments and stuff, but I, yesterday I noticed all these boxes of projects just fucking laying around. Most of them like 70% used. You see, the only innovation that's happened in our community in the last few years is the ability to innovate more consumption. And that's what our society is based on. That's how we base our self-worth. That's how we base ourselves in the American caste system is how much do you have? Look at my goddamn giant house. Look, I got fucking nine cars. They like savage, why you got a 12 car garage and you only got six cars? Don't get me wrong, that stuff's awesome. I've seen some beautiful houses. I see some beautiful cars. And like it makes me want them. I want to have that stuff. But do you need that stuff? Probably not. It's nice to have, don't get me wrong. And everybody wants to have more. But if you think about that for a minute, 
what kind of mindset is that? What kind of mindset is that? Does that reinforce the values of this coming great reset? Is that why we are having this color revolution in our country right now so that we can change the mindset of the youth to reconfigure and reevaluate morality and their values? I want to believe that. However, that's not how it works out. Usually what happens is when there's a great revolution, when you see what's happening in our country, it seems new to us. However, you need look no further than Afghanistan. You need look no further than Iraq. You need look no further than Albania or Ukraine. What's happened in these countries is what's happening in our country. And regardless of the flowery rhetoric, regardless of the flowery rhetoric about making the world a better place, I say to you, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Is that really what's going to happen? Is that what happened in Venezuela? Is that what happened in Afghanistan? Did things get better there? How about Iran? How about Iraq? Did things get better there after we liberated them? Will things be better in our country once we have freed ourselves of these goddamn white demons? (laughs) These white devils? Are things going to be better? No. Look, things aren't perfect right now. But I can tell you this. Whenever there's subversive patterns of revolution, whenever people are forced into group identities, whenever people are forced into ideologies, there's massacres. There's massacres. There's massacres. There's, there's a lot of interesting things out right now. And I know people don't like conspiracy theories or they're easily dismissed. However, if you get an opportunity, there's a young woman named Whitney Webb. W-E-B-B. And she's got a lot of videos out on different ideas of what's happening now. She's an independent journalist. And she's done quite a bit of investigations into our government and to the Democratic Party and to the Republican Party. And her analysis is that regardless of who wins, the outcome will be the same. You know, black cat, white cat, it still catches mice. It's this illusion of freedom. It's this illusion of participating in choosing a leader. 
You think you have choice, you don't. What, say, you, say you take the Trump team of nationalism. Or you take the Democratic team of socialism. Well, I give you the Nazi party, national socialists. You see, both camps end up in the same area. All you have is the choice of choosing what color the uniform of the oppressor is. You want them to be red or you want them to be blue. That's all you're going to get. And that is where we're headed to. We are running full speed into a world that none of us have ever seen. Do you think it's any coincidence that the infrastructure of 5G is being rammed through without any testing in all the big cities and distance learning for children of all ages is being implemented? Do you think that's a coincidence? No. It's the new normal. Your kids are going to learn from home and that's why you need 5G. I'm not saying COVID as a disease does not exist. But I am saying that it does not exist the way we're being told. I think that come election time, you're going to see a new world. A new set of rules, a new normal. The riots in the streets right now are being funded. Do you understand that? The people that are rioting are being given money by someone or a group of people or a foundation. It's not a spontaneous set of events. If you want to know what's happening in our country, then look around to the rest of the world and look at it from their point of view. Are not the students protesting in Taiwan against China the same as the BLM movement protesting against our government here in the USA? What about the Boston Dynamic Robots? the robot dogs in Singapore enforcing social distancing is that not a technology being tried there so it can be brought everywhere how about the censorship in Australia is that also not a form of is that not a social experiment that can be brought over here What we're seeing right now is unprecedented as a form of social experimentation. On some levels, I want to agree with it. Like, what if your social credit score, let's say we have this so-called draconian social credit score on a scale from one to five, Four, three meaning you can travel, anything less than three meaning you can't. 
If you have a social score of one or two, you can't even participate. And if you're friends with somebody that has a one or two social score, all your social media friends would know. It could pop up on other people's phones. Right? They can use these tactics of social influence to mark individuals as social dissidents. Right? So if you have a social credit score, a low social credit score, does that mean you don't get your, your universal basic income? Could it be that? It could be. How much can you influence if you control people's money? I mean, we already control people's money. Imagine having a digital wallet where if you said something negative about the government or your work, then you would get your funds cut off. It sounds pretty horrible, right? And if you want to do like a really interesting experiment, look up your social score right now. I did. There was this guy at my work. This guy was a real donkey. He came from the mainland. He just was... He was the most arrogant, condescending asshole that I had seen in a long time. And let me tell you why that's scary to me. It's scary to me because the negative things you see in other people are the things you hate about yourself. So maybe by me seeing this negative, condescending piece of shit, maybe that's the world telling me, hey, George, you're a negative, condescending piece of shit. That's kind of scary to think about. But if you can see the negatives in other people, it's a wise idea to understand that maybe those are the negative things about you. However, let's play out this whole social score thing. On some levels, I'm, I'm with it. And it's scary to think about. However, do you think there should be a test? What if your social score must be above four for you to have kids? What if every five years you have to go in front of a panel of people to prove to them and to society that you are worth being here and you're worthy of having kids, that you will be a good parent? Cool. Yeah, we'll stay and hang around with you. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. We're stuck. We're stuck. And that's based on your past experiences. What if you had to go in front of a panel to prove that you deserve to be on the earth for another 10 years? What have you done to make this a better place? Are you worth being here? On some levels, it might make the world a better place. However, it's important to factor in the human corruption factor. Who gets to decide that? Then we get back to the argument of the greater good. Is there anyone capable of judging another person on that level? I don't know that there is. I don't know that there is. It reminds me of a story. There's these two guys and they're out at sea and they've been out for so long. Their boat got damaged and their radio's damaged. And they've been gone for like a month. And all of a sudden, they both pass out. And when they wake up, their boat has landed on this island. 
And it's a strange island. There's all these strange plants and all these strange animals. So they wake up and they get off their boat and they walk into this town that looks kind of like somewhere where they came from, but not quite. They walk into a restaurant and they sit down and everyone speaks the same language and they order some drinks. They're talking, trying to figure out where they are. None of them understand this strange place. All the people are the same and everything looks similar, but they, they just can't put their finger on it. And as they're talking, they're looking at their surroundings and everything in this restaurant is perfect. People are using perfect English. The menus they ordered from are written immaculate. They order some food and it is the most delicious food. Everything is perfect. And it's beginning to really make them freak out a little bit because everything is way too perfect. And as they're noticing this, just the absolute perfection of everything. They notice a waitress comes by and she slips and almost loses her tray of five waters and one cup on the tray falls over and spills onto the tray and then onto the ground. And the entirety of the room stops. All the conversation goes dead quiet. And everybody gets up and they rush that girl and they beat her and they kill her until she's dead. And they haul her body out and throw it in the back in the garbage. And these two guys are like, what the fuck just happened? And they're stunned. And after, after the entire patrons throw the young girl's dead body out, they all come back in and they take up like nothing happened like it was nothing so one of the castaways leans over to the table and says excuse me sir we're not from here what was that and the guy the local looks at him and he goes oh yeah you aren't from here are you he goes well on this island we don't tolerate that and the castaway says what because we don't tolerate mistakes. You saw that the girl dropped the water. That's a mistake. You die for that. And the castaway is like, well, that's barbaric. And the local says, no, no, it's that's the price for perfection. The local says, well, what about her family? Isn't there going to be some retaliation? How can there... How can you just kill someone so without any remorse and without even thinking about it and not have to worry about the repercussions or consequences of taking someone's life? And the local says, those are the rules. Those are the rules everyone here abides by. Those rules were made by our leader and we follow those rules. As long as the rules are in place, the system works perfect. It breeds perfection. Not only does it breed perfection, but it's the simplicity that makes it beautiful. We have only this one rule. Do not make a mistake. If you make a mistake and we see it and we find out, we kill you. It's very simple. It's very beautiful. And it's an elegant solution to all the problems. Don't fuck up. And the castaway says, well, 
how, how did this happen? How did, how did it get like this? And he goes, oh, well, in the center of our town, there's a castle. And in that castle resides the great Lord that leads us. And he made that rule. And the castaway says, well, it's a problem. Like it's, it's unrealistic. It's unrealizable. I should go and talk to this guy. And the local says, yeah, you know what? We, we have no rules except to be perfect. If you want to go talk to him, go ahead. So the two castaways, they you know, pay their stuff and they walk out and they, they go to this tower, this giant castle in the middle of the city. And the doors are all open. So they walk up in there. And as they go in there, they begin to realize, like, there's doesn't look like there's anybody there. And they meander through this castle and they walk into the great chamber where they see this throne room. And they walk up to the throne room and they realize that no one has been in this throne room in what looks like generations. And they see the Lord or the leader on this throne and he's dead he's just laying there like he's been dead for a long time he's just a skeleton so they come back out and they find that guy and they go hey we we went to the to the castle and we found the guy that guy's dead and that local's like you gotta be kidding me so the local goes in there and he sees that the leader that made the rules about perfection is dead and so the local comes out and he starts he goes home tells his family and then he starts then he kills his neighbor and then he goes on a killing spree and then everybody else starts going on killing sprees you see they no longer have to obey the laws there's no longer retaliation or let me put that differently there's no longer any repercussions for retaliation you see now now there's chaos. There's this invisible force. This is what Jordan Peterson talks about sometimes when he says, we are protected from something we don't understand by something we can't see. What he's talking about is we are protected from chaos by our culture. Regardless of how barbaric our culture may be, it protects us from chaos. However, no society, no culture on a long enough timeline gets to go indefinitely without chaos. And I would argue that what you're seeing from local officials, from state officials, from government officials around the world is an attempt, it is an attempt to manage the chaos. The financial system is going to implode. That is what I think is happening. The monetary system is done for. The resources have been siphoned out of our country, out of all countries, and into the pockets of a very small few amount of people. And it's not new. Where do you think the royal families came from? You know, Thomas Piketty wrote a great book called Capital. And in that book, he explains... He defines the term capital and explains the term capital and lays out the foundation of culture as far back as the Egyptians. There is a ruling class of people where all the wealth, all the resources, all the land is sucked up into. 
and then there's everybody else. There's one group and then another group. And the group on the top is all your billionaires and all your trillionaires. And when you look at this governing bodies that's trying to take over, if you look at the financial resources being stolen, the transfer of wealth from working people to the top 1% is going towards this new global WHO or the United Nations. All the money from all the countries is being siphoned to the top in order to build a world government body that's going to rule over everybody or try or attempt to, to rule over people, in my opinion. Like, that's what I see happening. And all these people clamoring for equality, all these people clamoring for rights, they are being used right now. These are the people, these are the useful idiots. These are the people that are going to be pandered to in the short term. However, once the shit hits the fan, those people will be eliminated quickly. Those will be the people shoved into internment camps. Those will be the people wearing a yellow star on their arm. And there's all the cameras to track them. All the troublemakers. All these people will be labeled troublemakers. Labeled aggressive. Labeled violent. Labeled as unable, unfit for the community. Economically non-viable. The homeless people swept up, put in camps. Or turned into Soylent Green. Or... Anybody who's unable to make their way in this world is going to be swept up and put in out under the carpet, swept up and out of the way. How do you feel about that? Are you thinking to yourself, you know what? Be a lot less people. You know what? Be a lot less crime, at least on the forefront, at least in my field of vision. You might think that, but is that true? I would say that the level of crime, depending on how you define crime, may be greater. I mean, if you define crime as taking away the liberty of people, if you define crime as demoralizing generations of people, dumbing them down, not giving them access to stimulating events or allowing them to develop cognitively. If that's a crime, then the crimes of the future will be immeasurable in the future. I think that's where we're at. I have a problem with authority. I already, it's already difficult enough for me to listen to someone who claims to be my boss tell me they know more than me. I constantly have to look at them and be like, really? You think you do? Okay, well, can you explain it to me? And then when they can't explain it to me, it leads down a pathway of trying to point out the flaws in their argument. Or maybe it's my flawed judgment that has to try to point out someone else's flaws. I, I don't know. What I'm saying is, I don't like people telling me what the fuck to do. Imagine going through your day, but now you have somebody from a whole nother country coming over here and telling you what the fuck to do. Imagine that. Imagine someone else from like, uh, I don't know, 
from some third world country who got a degree from a diploma mill and is now telling you that you're doing all this shit wrong. Like that would be pretty asinine, right? Especially for Americans who tend to have a really big problem with authority already. That's something to think about. But let me flip it on here a little bit. What if, what if, what if you were the person that got to enjoy all the benefits? What if you're doing pretty well now? What if you are an essential person? It'd be pretty easy to look down on all those people that are quote unquote non-essential, huh? It'd be pretty easy to start being like, you know what? I'm glad we got rid of those guys. Who needs people peeing on the streets? Who needs people getting pickpocketed? You know what? I think we're finally cleaning up the gene pool. It's a new dawn in our country. There's a whole lot more opportunity now. Interesting to think about, right? It's interesting to think about. That being said, no one stays on top forever. No one gets to be in the seat of power forever. Even though it seems like that sometimes, right? Like, look at the royal family. What makes those people royal? They seem like a royal pain in the ass to me. How's Harry and Meghan coming over here? Hey, why don't you go back home? No one wants you here. You know what, Meghan Merkel? Let me tell you, love. If you want to get a job at Disney, if you want to be in Hollywood, then you have to make an appointment with Harvey Weinstein and give him a blowjob. That's apparently how you get a leading role at Disney or in Hollywood, Megan. You should not be able to skip that step. I mean, if you want to be a real princess, then you've got to go to the kingmaker. And the kingmaker is Harvey Weinstein. Everybody knows that. Don't you know that, Harry? You got to know that, right? That's why you went to him. Or I don't know, Harry, maybe you should go talk to Harvey Weinstein. Maybe you want to be in Hollywood. Okay, now I'm getting out of control. Now I'm just ranting. Why? Do, how come you guys didn't stop me? What's wrong with you people? Why do you want to hear me say this stuff? Somebody stop me. It's out of control. George, you're out of control. Okay, enough of that. Let's talk about some solutions, right? What can we do? You should never get into a rant about a bunch of issues without providing some solutions. And so that's what I want to talk about now. How about this? I was thinking about having like a 48-hour film festival in your community. You know, if you have a projector and a, and a sheet, you, then you can make like a movie night for you and all your neighbors. That's what I want to do. That's what I've been thinking about doing. And let me tell you why I want to do it. Not because I want to be Harvey Weinstein. Not because I want Meghan Merkel to come over here and audition. Definitely don't want that. Beat it. However, I do think that you could teach young children the way to not only view the world, but to interpret the world. 
the way to show others the world by showing them how to make movies. And not necessarily like a long-term thriller or something like that. I would propose that you get your neighbors together and you ask the kids to make a short film. And they could probably do it with their phone or if you live in a community that just has one phone. It's something that I think it's doable. So I think the, the, the bar for entry should be like on Saturdays. You know, on, on Thursdays you get the kids together and you say, listen, we're having a 48-hour film festival. Here's your line of dialogue and here's your prop. The film can be five minutes. And in that film, we want you to make people laugh and you want to make people cry all in five minutes. Can you do it? That could be a topic. And then the next week, you know, the, the topic, maybe the topic could be flexible. It could be whatever you want it to be. Whatever the kids, you well, the kids need direction. So you would say like, I want you to tell us about the biggest fear where you live right now. And then the kids could do a five minute film on that. Or I want you to talk about how the biggest problem with the adults, or I want you to talk about the biggest problem with the environment, or I want you to surprise me. Whatever it is, however big your imagination is, what you tell the kids. And there's a lot of things that go into that. Because as the kids are making the film, you're teaching them how to view reality. You're teaching them how to engage the community. You're teaching them how to interpret the world. And and if they get those responses, if they're able and successful to make people both laugh and cry, then they're beginning to understand how to process and send out emotions to people, how to communicate in a crowd how to move forward in this new digital world in which we're embarking. There's a lot of little side chain things you could do as well. You could actually have your community versus another community when it came to films or you could work with the community and you would be able to identify children who are superior in translating vision into reality. And those could be the new leaders of the community or they could be the new ambassadors of technology to their particular community. I think that that's a great strategy for moving forward in the times that are coming ahead. And it's something where the cost of entry is low. It's something that everybody could participate in. It's something that the family could sit down and talk about and inform their kids and grow together and it could bring people together instead of dividing people. So how do you like those apples, huh? Huh? You see, if you thought I was going to come in here and rant and give you that stuff. No, I got solutions too, baby. I got them too. And I love you guys. And this has gone way longer than I thought it should have. But I do. I love you guys. I'm so stoked to be here and I'm so stoked to have a platform to chit-chat with people. And to all my friends in Spain, in Albania, in Ukraine, in Romania. Can you guys please comment and tell me what you have seen? I know this is, I hope I don't sound like too dumb of an American, but I know that some of you recently have gone through some really large changes in your areas. And I would love to hear about it. 
I would love to hear about the similarities that you see happening to our country that already happened in your country. I know a lot of people in the military where I am from and it a lot of Americans over here like we've always seen the people that are paying attention have seen what our country goes and does in other places. And they the first thing you do is you demoralize them, you soften them up economically. You ruin the supply chains. And I would argue that's what's happening in the USA right now. I would argue that's what's happening all over the world right now. However, I know people in Europe tend to be a lot smarter than the average American at times. It's kind of tough for me to say. I'm sorry. But it seems to me that the education level in some European countries... Uh, you know what? Maybe the maybe it's vastly superior to a lot of the public schools we have here. But I know that when it comes to math and history, a lot of my European friends, they got it on us. And so I would love to hear from you guys. Hit me up on Facebook or wherever you're listening to this. Leave a comment below and I'll get back to you. And if you want to come on here and do a podcast with me, then reach out to me. Because I would love to have you on. And I love you guys. Comprende, amigos? I hope you have a great day. And I will be talking to you really soon. I got a really interesting point of view on another dimensional language coming up soon. So stay with me. I love you. Thank you. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision and I hope you all conquer it and I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better, your life will be better and you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.